Welcome to the GMS Podcast, brought to you by GMS Distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jared Steer, and today I will be talking to my friends. Yeah, there we go. We are recording. I have on the phone Michelle Blevins. How are you doing, Michelle? I am doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. I'm doing good. Um, good. I had a little bit of a travel day yesterday, and but you know what? I was able to get a, a good night's sleep, which I feel like after you're done traveling, if you can't get if you can't get some sleep like real quick, it it can really mess up a couple days. So it really can. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to. Yeah, got a good night's sleep. I'm 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 back in Seattle and and feeling good. But I'm excited to have you on the phone today. This is going to be cool. I. I am very excited to be here, and I, I'm curious to hear that you're traveling, and I want to know how travel is. I know that you're supposed to be asking me questions, but where did you go, and what do the planes look like, and what are the airports like, and I, all the things I want to know. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Let's just that's that's a pretty easy question. So, I am I live in Seattle. My shop is in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it mm-hmm. was it was time to go back, and and I haven't been there since January. I was always supposed to be there between. I always say like eight to 10 weeks, you know, I would have a, have a gap and then I would be back at the shop in Fort Wayne and, and, uh, meet with the guys there. And this, uh, with COVID, yeah, it just took a little longer, but, uh, was able to yeah. get back. So that's where, I, that's where I was going from Seattle to Fort Wayne. And I was there for a week okay. and then came back yesterday. Yes. Yeah, so the airport in Seattle requires a mask all the time. As soon as you enter the airport, you're, you're supposed to, or you are, you are required to have a mask on, um, Mm-hmm. the airport is not busy not busy at all um yeah so it's I think on my on my first flight I had you know it was like three seats on the left side three seats on the right side of the plane I had mm-hmm. all, I was the only person in those six seats and I think I had one person in the row in front of me and maybe two people behind me um so not a very full flight at all um once you get on the plane Delta is requiring that you wear a mask while on the plane, uh, they they're yep. handing out disinfectant wipes when you get on the plane, so you can wipe down your area. They're also uh, advertising that they're disinfecting the planes after every use, mm-hmm. so they're coming through with that. And then they have a some advanced ventilation system, some downdraft, something they talked about. Uh, they're also not demonstrating how to put on the mask. Uh, the in case of an emergency, the mask that drops down, they're not demonstrating how to put that on, which I found was kind of interesting, but that's, oh. yeah, they're not, so there's, there's no, there's no visual demonstrations anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, we, I flew from Seattle to Detroit. Once we got to Detroit, again, just very, not very many people, just, um, yep. there were whole wings in Detroit that were, that were shut down. Uh, the tram was not running. Uh, restaurants, I think I found maybe two restaurants that were open and they had uh, a six foot distancing. There was only a couple seats at the bar, you know, and then tables were very spread out. Um, yeah, I mean, they're taking, they're taking the social distancing for sure. Very serious. And, you know, in, in doing that now on the way home, the flight on the way home was, was actually pretty full. The only empty seats Mm -hmm. were the middle seats. So Interesting. I had, that's good. 
which I think is, I think it's, I mean, I'm fine with it with no one being in the middle. It gives me some extra room, but <laughs> right? it's like, yes. well, if there's no one in the middle, I still have this person like six inches in front of me and six inches behind me. So I don't know what the middle person, I don't know if that's actually making a difference or not, but um, I don't know that I'm actually qualified to have that discussion. I, I, I just sat on the plane <laughs> and, and flew home. So yes, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's that's interesting. I think, um, it, sorry, I'm totally, I feel like I'm hijacking the conversation, not my intention, <laughs> but what was your, um, what was your last trip before all this started? I know you and I were both at the Aramsco show in Vegas. And I feel like when I was flying home that Wednesday, that was kind of when everything was changing and yes. I was in this bubble, you know, this airplane for four hours. And then I got home and it was like the world changed just from the time that I left Vegas, to the time that I got home in Detroit, it was like things were shutting down. Schools were closing the next day. It was that weird, like four hour window where the world changed. Did you, was that your last trip or did you have more after that? I had one more, but I had the, the same experience that you did. Yeah. I was coming home from Vegas. It was like some things were starting to happen. Some things were starting to shift. And I had one more show. I had the, um, uh, the air summit in, yes. in South, I think we were in South Carolina or North Carolina, somewhere over there. Uh, yep. and I had that one and that was like, it was back and forth. Is the show going to cancel? Is it on? Is it canceled? Yes. And, um, it was on, they didn't, they didn't have, uh, a full attendance obviously, mm -hmm. but there was, there was quite a few people that showed up, but even in that process. So I remember at that show, like things were happening at that show. Um, so yes. like we had dinner reservations and then the restaurant can't do dinner reservations anymore. Um, then we had, uh, you know, like we had the, the room that we rented for three days. Well, they, they were putting rules in place as we were there, no more social gatherings of people over a certain. And so even the, wow. room, the room got, you know, taken from us. Like we couldn't, we couldn't be there for the final day. Um, and then again, yeah, then on the flight, back I remember I went to go you know go to the the airport and get something to eat and there was one restaurant open and all of the tables were pushed against the wall and stacked and it was just walk-up service only and that was the, like the my first experience was seeing the x's on the floor <laughs> with mm. six feet apart was was right there at that airport and then once I got home um that was it it was it was a stay-at-home order here in Washington and I've yep. was, this trip, this trip, aside from my hunting trip that I went on, which when I went hunting, I basically social distanced like 14 miles away from everyone when I went out. <laughs> the mountain. Um, yeah. but other, other than that, yeah, it was just stay, stay in the apartment. And I, and me and my wife uh, went to grocery shopping on Sunday, but, but definitely, like you said, it was kind of like an overnight Well, even at the Nexus show, um, you know, I saw it like the yeah. first day we were there, it's normal. Second day, their signs don't shake hands. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and it was just happening right, right there, right then. They were they were serving all the food. You couldn't touch anything. They had the people with the gloves at yes. the buffet lines and all that. I remember that. And I was supposed to go to the air show too. That's actually when we were going to record this in the beginning. There was going to be a panel. That's, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I missed. I kind of yeah. missed that. But yes, you're exactly <laughs> right. We were going to do a live. Yeah, and that's one of the events that got canceled. We were going to do a live GMS podcast at. Yep. the air summit. And that was one of the events that got canceled on the third day. Yes. Well, we will have to try to do that again. Another time. I remember that was kind of the window that was closing for the company that owns R and R 
um, they were getting to the point then of maybe people shouldn't travel like you can, it's up to you. But then you start worrying like, well, what if, because at that point there were so many unknowns, what if things really shut down and I can't fly home? That started to become a concern of getting stuck somewhere too. So anyway. That was a concern when I was at the air summit because most of the time, I mean, being in Indiana and you're in Michigan, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of centrally located. Yeah, it might not be the mm-hmm. greatest, but within 10 hours, you can pretty much drive a lot of places. And I'm yeah. sitting there in North Carolina and I'm going, <laughs> I live in Seattle. Like if That's I a get... long drive. <laughs> right. If I got stuck, I could get back to Fort Wayne. But from here to Seattle, this is not going to be good. Um, but yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a concern, but but made it, got back and got back okay and. Yeah, what a crazy time. And then since then, everything that's been been happening is just, 2020 is a doozy. It sure is. You know, there were the headlines for a while about murder hornets. I feel like that headline didn't last very long. (laughs) Like, what happened to those? I never saw those. I'm glad. I'm glad I didn't see those. But now we have so many things going on. So many things. Poor world, I guess. Well, I feel like we are we are getting into some good conversations, and I know we're <laughs> going to get into some more. But for the listeners that may not know who you are, let's let's get. Uh, I'll have you introduce yourself and kind of maybe do a little background and what you're doing today, and then uh, and then we can go from there. Sure. Um, so I am Michelle Blevins. I am the editor in chief of R and R Magazine. Um, I have a journalism degree. I um, originally thought that I wanted to be an international business relations major going to Michigan state thought that I was going to be, I don't know, a CEO of some fortune 500 company one day. Okay. And then in my first economics class, I realized, wow, I don't like this at all. This is not for me in the least. I yep, nope, no numbers happening here. I don't understand any of this. And so I decided, you know, I have a passion for writing. Um, I wanted to make sure that I picked something that I could hopefully make a career out of. So journalism was it. I started out of college at a small, small town newspaper in Indiana, um, north of Logansport, a very small town. Uh, It was kind of fun. It still had like, I'm sorry. I I didn't know where, I don't know where (laughs) Logansport is. Okay. So yeah, Uh, I don't know. I was like an hour and a half hour and 15 minutes southwest of South Bend, I guess. Oh, okay. But yeah, so, you know, this small town newspaper still had court news where they're reporting divorces that happened and um, land transfers and, you know, all the local kind of drama. And it was then that I learned that what you learn in college isn't necessarily what you need for a career in whatever you're making your career in. Um, I learned from that job that it's really about the relationships that you build with people and building a good rapport, listening, um, being involved in communities or industries or wherever, whatever that may be. So I worked there for a couple years out of college. And then um, my husband got a job. He is also in media. He does video. He got a job at a TV station in Northern Michigan, another kind of small town. It's actually the the TV station itself has the largest demographic or largest coverage area mile wise in the country. It's um, they cover half of the upper peninsula and half of the lower peninsula of Michigan. So it's a huge area that the station goes out to, but it's all super rural when it's up north. But 
So he got a job as a videographer up there. I swore that I would never work in TV ever, but we ended up in a small town and the newspaper there didn't have any openings. So I started as an intern at that TV station. Um, pretty soon I was, I became the, um, executive producer of the morning show there. And so I worked overnight that super fun shift for three years, okay. three or four years. Um, yep. And then I was promoted to the overall executive producer of the TV station and did that for a couple of years before we decided it was time we had our first child and we decided, Hey, it's really time to maybe think about moving back to Metro Detroit where we have family and can have some help. And there are more career opportunities in Metro Detroit as well. My husband and I were both ready for the next step. And, um, you know, anybody listening to this who's in a more rural area, you know that, especially I think when you're younger, it can be difficult to find. And we had niche specialties being in media. Okay. So um, I saw this posting for um, an editor for R&R Magazine. I had never heard of the restoration industry before, but I thought, you know, I've been to a lot of local blood events. I've been to a lot of house fires. Um, I've covered things like that. And it had never occurred to me what happens after the news crews leave those areas. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I always kind of had a heart and compassion for people who had had things like that happen in their home. And I liked the human element that I thought that this magazine might have, even though I didn't know a whole lot about it at the time, just the niche market appealed to me. So I interviewed for it, didn't think I was going to get it, and did get it. And hmm. that was in April of 2015. And so here we are five years later, and I love it. And I love being part of this industry. And I, people who know me in the industry, I think, know that I constantly say I can't imagine doing anything else. So well, that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Now, did you, did you and your husband meet in college? We did. Yep. We met okay. um, right out of the gate, like first weekend of freshman year of college. And that was that. So oh, cool. we have been together ever since. <laughs> that is really <laughs> cool. So now what is it? I guess, I guess now you're doing the r r magazine for the last five years. Yep. What? I, well, I have so many, like I have so many questions, but I'm trying to, which one do I want to ask first? Um <laughs> I guess, I guess first, what do you, what is it that you, like, why are, after five years, why are you still working at R&R? What do you like about it? I like that there's always opportunity to grow and do more. Um, I appreciate that this industry um, lets people in, I guess. So okay. I feel the more involved I've gotten in the industry, the more opportunities there have been for R&R and um, like doing Ask the Expert interviews during the coronavirus outbreak. I got to talk to so many different people and try to really share knowledge as quickly as I could through R&R's platform to try to help restorers um, who were thinking about doing disinfection or cleaning services and who needed help figuring out how to handle this in general with their staff and how to keep themselves clean and safety, you know, all of the things that come along with this. And it's been the same when there's been hurricane season and there's been a you know large disaster somewhere and any information that I can get out from people who are there and handling it or experts from across the country who ha have done it or can speak um, wisdom into how to handle those situations. I just, I just really like sharing information and helping educate people even I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that that's my best answer. 
No, I think that's good. And I think this, I think you touched on some, some, yeah, pretty, like pretty important things. The industry, I have found the same thing. It's very, I think, I was going to say it's very welcoming, but I think, I think yes. what I mean to say is it recognizes good people. And, mm. and yeah, when you, when it, when it recognizes you as a good person, it definitely, it lets you in. Um, mm-hmm. And then with, within the industry, it's always, there's always something, something new going on. It, it's never, it's never stale. Um, I guess I yes. came, you know, I came from uh, an electrical background where it was like, this house is being built and we wired it. And then when we got done, we went to another one and mm-hmm. it was, I mean, I, I like doing that work. Don't get me wrong. I like doing that work. And I like meeting with the homeowner and the customer and like putting, getting ideas and lighting ideas and, and getting creative with things. And I liked it, but I feel like with this industry, some of the biggest projects aren't there. Well, the one thing is they're never planned. They're, they're yeah. never planned. I knew, I knew what house yep. was coming up three months ahead of time and we were, you know, doing what we needed to, to prepare. And we were always, you know, ready. And with this industry, with it being, you know, and I'm just specifically talking about large disaster right now, to be ready for a large disaster that you don't know what it, you know, it's like you're just going in blind, but they do it so well. And they're, it's, it's really impressive. And I think that that's something that's always, that always keeps me interested because the phone can ring at any time. And it's like, we have this big project going on, but it isn't, we have this big project going on in three months. Let me send you the blueprints. It's, we have this big project going on right now. And we're trying to figure it out right now. It's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's fun. I enjoy that. I enjoy that side of it. Yes, I I do as well. And I guess we're thinking a little bit more about your question of why R&R, why stay. R&R is so much more to me than just a magazine. We There are so many opportunities that I've gotten through it by whether it's um, the Women in Restoration Award or this new ladder award that we launched, or I get to be involved in so many conferences and sometimes get the privilege to speak at conferences or I'm asked to be involved at different events. Um, yeah. I get to go to job sites and tell stories. I've, you know, been to a few job sites in the Metro Detroit area with restorers here. Um, like one was a, hoard, a house fire of that was a hoarding situation as well. And um, right. I've gone to Chicago and gotten to tour JC Restoration, and they were so welcoming. And you know, I've, oh, I've visited is... other restoration companies, and I just love that. I love telling stories and love being involved in that way. And it's still not about me. It's about everybody else. I want everybody else to shine. And if R&R can be the platform or voice for that to happen, then I think that's great. No, that's really cool. And you brought up JC Restoration. That is an amazing facility out there. And, <laughs> and you said welcoming. And I, you can't say it any more than that. I mean, they are so welcoming to just, yeah, come come over and check it out. And uh, what a great they what are. a great operation they have. Yes, it's ridiculously impressive. You could eat off of their floors. I don't know. Warner just really has it down, and he has the culture aspect down. Yes. Um, it's impressive, for sure. Oh, he's yeah, he's he's awesome. He's one of the very first contractors I met in the industry way, way back huh? when. Yeah, when I was when I was hustling power boxes out of the trunk of my car, um, <laughs> I I stumbled into JC Restorations uh, building and and met Warner, and what a great what a great guy and. 
yeah, and just operation up there. Well, anyway, the um, the awards that you were talking about, I know I saw one for the the women in restoration that just happened, right? Or pretty it, recently? It did. Yes, we just announced the winner um, a couple weeks ago. It was Tara Driscoll, who is the technical trainer for Belfour, which it blows my mind. She does all of the training for every single Belfour location in the U.S. and Canada. All of the training for oh IITRC gosh. classes and certifications. That blows my mind, plus all of their online training. That's a lot of people to train. And it sounds like she does it with class. I loved talking to her. She has great stories and um, a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and she's wonderful. So she was a very deserving winner. We had a record number of nominations this year and, um, it can, you know, going through the nominations and judging them can be a little, I don't know, overwhelming, I guess, because there are oh, so sure. many women who really are doing amazing things in the industry. And I've tried to drive home that, you know, this award isn't about putting men against women or women against men, because these women can stand up right next to the men in the industry. It's not that at all. It's just that men and women lead differently. And it's fun to kind of point out some of the differences between the two and to celebrate um to celebrate what women are doing and maybe hopefully encourage other women to get involved in this industry where having a compass having a compassionate servant's heart is so important and so vital to serving customers and men have that too but women kind of come with it ingrained in them because that's how we're made well absolutely and i think i think sometimes i mean and, and it is I mean, the the woman's award or the men's award i think that kind of uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't define like really what's going on. There isn't a separation there, but I know, mm-hmm. I know I'm always happy to see the woman's award because I do feel, and I don't, I don't know that I need to feel this way. I'm pretty sure there's a statistic, but this is a, a male dominated industry. And even, and yeah. even at that, it's a very demanding industry. So I think male or female, it can be very intimidating to even yes. to even get started and to to highlight some of the of the big leaders I think that that can then reach out or or be role models or even just you know people women that are coming up can can see the success that can happen or be motivated and and see yeah. that there is a path into this industry for them also and yeah I think it's I think it's a very very good thing I I I enjoy seeing the award and and uh, now that you said Kara Driscoll, I was like, yes, I knew, I knew that, I remember that. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, yeah no, it's she's a, it's very, very cool. deserving, and it's a fun award. I really enjoy it, and so I look forward to seeing where it goes from here. Now, is this a is this an award that has been at R and R for, or did you start it, or how? I guess how long has this award been around? Five years. I started it once I joined R&R. So this was the fifth award that we've given out. Uh, There have been a number of different women who have won. Anissa Coy was the winner the first year. I think everybody knows Anissa at this point from her Ask Anissa video columns and all of that. She's wonderful. Um, Shelly Bagwell won one of the years, and she was... Um, a director of operations at a Puro Clean franchise, and now she's a national project consultant for DKI. So it's fun to see oh, wow. the journey that some of these women have gone on. You know, I would say at the time that Anissa won, people knew about Anissa, and she certainly had a foothold in the industry. But now she's a pretty sought after trainer, traveling the country, really consulting on contents jobs. Um, and so speaking cool. at more shows and doing stuff like that. And so yeah, I, and I also Violand 
does a half day women in leadership event before their executive summit every June. And it was canceled this year, but I do feel that event over the last few years has helped along with the award because they sponsored the award has helped build kind of a community of women where they feel they have others that they can call on to get advice or a little consulting action or, you know, just bounce something off of them because we do kind of face different situations sometimes than men do. And so it's nice to have a female counterpart somewhere that you can reach out to. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's such a great way to put it. And and it really shows why it is important and why, you know, and why people are, are doing these types of things because it is, it is helping the industry grow and helping women grow in the industry. I think it's a great thing. Yep. Yes. Now the ladder award, this is coming up in, you guys announced the winner at the experience event, correct? Yes, that is the plan. I was going to say ahead. in September, um, as far as I know, that's one you I'm sure you know, but that event's, it's happening. There's no, no issue with that. As of right now, there's not. Um, I, I talked to Larry Cooper periodically, and the last time I spoke with him, he, of course, is doing a great job keeping tabs on what's happening at Paris in Vegas, where it's supposed to be, yeah. and um, talking about the protocols and stuff that they have in place. And they are already, Paris already has conventions that are starting up at the end of this month so you know okay. i think by the time september rolls around there will be good protocols in place for this to be a thing so that's no that's great uh so this is yep. and this will pretty much be this is going to be the the first event that has people coming to it that didn't get canceled yes yes it seems like everything I, else did yes everything has been canceled um So, yeah, I think that it will be a good event with the Ladder Award. We are putting together a young leadership or young leaders panel discussion to have at the experience. That'll be kind of in conjunction with the award. As of right now, the plan is to present the award at the pool party that they have one night. But who knows with social distancing and all that, like, will the parties and networking events look the same? That's hard to say. Sure. But, um I'm hoping that, you know, I've been watching the nominations come in and there are some pretty promising nominations I can say so (laughs) far. I'm very excited about the field. Um, There are definitely some people that I know and I have a, you know, panel of judges helping decide. So um, I am looking forward to seeing who comes out on top and pulling in as many people as I can to be part of a discussion about what the future of our industry might look like and what leadership looks like moving forward, what kind of innovations and technology need to be embraced to make it in a post-pandemic world, perhaps. Um, I think technology is going to be really important. And I think that the way companies are run and employee retention and stuff like that, I think that that will continue to evolve as our world changes. So it'll be really interesting to get insights of these young leaders to see what they envision for the future of the industry and their companies. No, and that's really interesting because I, I think, you know, that next generation is going to bring a level of innovation. Uh, and it's in, and in this industry, too, I like that it's it's never just locked down to, you know, this is the one the one way and only way we can do something. Um, right. There's many, many different ways people are doing the same jobs and and the ways that they're doing the equipment that they're using. And yeah, now with uh, with the technology coming on. Now, what do you see as far as technology being? Like what's the what's kind of the the latest greatest thing that's happening right now that you see? 
I think people are still riding the Matterport wave. I think that that's definitely okay. the number one thing right now. Um, anybody who gets it is like, wow, this is an amazing piece of technology. And um, I also do some recruiting with a company called Wylander in the industry. And I am seeing more companies that are shifting toward almost a desk estimator type position. A lot of companies have project coordinators as well, which do can dabble in Xactimate and do some of that. But more um, with Matterport, it's kind of eliminating the need. I'm seeing more and more for estimators out in the field. Um, it oh, might really? be a technician, a lead tech, a crew chief, or a project manager who goes out and is taking these scans and then sending them back. And the estimator is able to sit at a desk and make the estimate based off of these scans and these images. So I think that that's really going to change the landscape of or the structure of restoration companies, along with the fact that those can get sent to carriers or TPAs or whatever it may be to help support the scope and the invoice for the job. Yeah. No, definitely. I, I mean, we've, I have talked with plenty of people about you know using it as as documentation and it being the best documentation you can have. These you know these pictures and they're and they are amazing. I mean, the the equipment, the yeah. Matterport camera, and I know there's other there's some other cameras that are coming into the market too. But what they're able to do and capture and how you can go in and look at a job is just amazing, amazing. Yes. They, they put the whole house, I don't know if anybody listening, I'm sure everyone's seen pictures or, or knows what it is, but but yeah, the whole house is just right there on your computer screen and you can virtually walk through it and see every corner, wall, yeah. ceiling, everything. It's so cool. Every little piece of content, see if there really is damage to that jewelry box or if somebody else if it was there before or a rip on the sofa did you do that or was it pre-existing it's yeah it's really it's detail-oriented it's very cool and I can't even think back to when I was in the field obviously we didn't have anything like this 15 years ago um but you know for us it was so many times we go back and you and and for me the electrician like I want to put it back as best I can just like they had it get you know light switches and things in the same place. I mean, and I think that's in, when, yeah. you, when you start thinking about it, like I want the, for me, I want the light switch to be in the exact same place. So when you come back in your home, it isn't, I, I didn't move it over three inches. Now it's in a different spot. I want it to be exactly the same, the everything exactly the same. And um, yeah, if I would have had some of those scans to just be able to go through and lay out a room real quick, I could have, I could have easily done that, put it, put it right back the way it was. That would have been really cool. Yes. Yes. Um, I guess one other innovation that I have been seeing is a little bit more usage of drones. I don't know how widely they will end up being used in the industry, but I, companies that are doing more of the roofing restoration after hailstorms, stuff like that, that really yeah. is giving them a really good tool to assess damage without leaving the ground, <laughs> which can be a good thing. Um, but there's a company in Detroit that is now using one of the drones that's equipped with a FLIR thermal imaging camera. So they're able to see temperature differences and possibly pinpoint moisture issues while using a drone. Oh, wow. um, so that's giving them a new view or a new way to inspect. And I think that there are other companies using that as well. I know that drones were used a lot to evaluate and scope out like the California wildfires and determine the amount of damage. And I know that actually some of those images were used to help um, move forward insurance claims on properties that were damaged before people could get back to their houses. 
and their properties to confirm that they were damaged or not. There were drones that were flown oh, over wow. areas hit. Yeah. And so then homeowners were able to process their claims and get their claims in faster with that kind of proof. And I think I even saw uh, a picture online where they used a drone and it was maybe like a structure, like a mall, like a very, very large structure, but they used a drone, went (laughs) up, took a a shot from overhead and were able to get the dimension, the outside dimensions of the entire building, you know, just from that, that drone picture, which saves so much time (laughs) and it's so accurate. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's really cool. Now at R&R, is there anything, anything kind of new, anything that's that's coming out are there any are you guys coming up with any new awards uh or like just like kind of the future of r&r what's exciting there that is a great question so um i suppose the elephant is in the room is that r&r is now all digital we have been oh. very digital heavy and digital driven until now and in this um pandemic um, the owners of BNP decided, hey, you know, by, our goal was by 2022 to have all of our magazines be digital only. And, you know, now maybe is the time to do the switch. So um, G- July will be our first issue where it is all digital edition. But I think, you know, I'm thankful compared to some of the other brands, R&R has a very interactive online audience. We have really good click-throughs, really good um web stats, interaction on social media, things like that. So I'm really hopeful that this will be a somewhat easy transition. I know that people will miss getting the print magazine um, on their desk or whatever. I totally get that. But sure. hopefully they'll see that our new the digital edition, the way it's created, is very interactive. If you look at it from the content view, you can click around and see all the articles and click links. And there are videos embedded now right within the articles. So if there's – like we just had a – um, an article in the June issue on um, media blasting and cleaning for COVID. And there was a video that um, the contributor sent along with it. So now that video is right inside the digital edition. So you can see that element along with the article itself. Um, the same with the Women in Restoration Award. I did a, a long Zoom interview with Kara. So you can read the article and also watch the interview with her right there, right within the pages of the magazine Um so very cool. we're hoping that, yeah, we're hoping that there will be more education that we'll be able to provide. We do have the ability to do webinars that offer IICRC credits, RAA credits, those kinds of things. So while it's a little bit of a switch, we hope that we're still going to be, you know, the thought leader in the industry, still have everything that everyone's used to having. You know, instead of having a print magazine on your desk every month, we are still going to do print editions for trade shows. And we're discussing probably doing okay. special editions for trade shows, which would be really cool. So it actually will be like the best of the best from R&R over that season that you'll see at a trade show in Very a magazine. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, in the spring, you'll probably see the best of the best from maybe April, May, and June. Um, and similar things like that. So we can pull in the best of the best content to bring to people in a hard copy at shows. So you'll still get it just a little bit different and there'll still be the monthly magazine. So that's, I suppose, our biggest change. But I think that, you know, there are even people who aren't loving getting their mail and bringing it inside right now. So, you know, I suppose it's it's now or never and we are living in a digital world and there are a lot of other publications that have done very similar things of going digital. And it's just a matter of 
you know, relearning what the business model looks like. And I, I'm sure that we will do just fine. Yeah, no, it is interesting. I mean, a completely different model. And then I'm sure when you guys are putting content together, I mean, now with having this, the access to embedding videos right into the content, does it, does it, it, I mean, I'm sure it does. It changes the way that you, that you approach a project now, doesn't it? It, Yes, absolutely. I love being able to have video with any article that I get. And that can be a little difficult to come by. But even if I have, say, a case study that has great images, I've in the past taken those images and made them into a video with, you know, words on the bottom telling the story as you look through the images. So I think anytime you can have a great digital element like that to help tell the story, that's good. And hey, restorers are busy. Restorers don't have time necessarily to sit down and read a whole article. But hey, if you can watch a two minute quick video on what the project was, that's another great way to ingest the information. We also have the ability now to have contributors read their articles and they can even comment on it and it can be kind of like an audible file. So you could listen to it while you're driving instead of having to, instead of reading the article, if you're driving somewhere and you're super interested on this, I don't know, article on a cathedral fire in New York city that a restoration company did and how they handled the job, you can listen to it instead. If, the contributor, you know, does the audio file, but um, there's just a lot of new ways to get information out. So I'm looking forward to seeing where that takes us. And I'm sure that there will be more changes and more new things coming out over the next six months or so as we kind of figure out this new digital, all digital space. Yeah, no, it's very cool. And you said you can leave comments even on the article? Um, you can comment on the article on the website. I more mean if a contributor is reading the article in the audio file, they don't have to just read the article. It could almost be like a running commentary as they're reading the article, but I have a note on this paragraph that I just wrote. And so here's my extra note on what I wrote. And so, okay, I got it. I got it. (laughs) Well, no, and I like that too, because I think, I think also, you know, when you get into a magazine and there's an article that if it's a if it's an article you're really interested in, it would be great to have that additional video or that addition those additional photos to go right along with it, and it's just more more content on what I'm already trying to consume. Yeah, that's yes. great. Now, how do how do people subscribe to the magazine? Is there is there you guys do like a yearly fee? How does how does that work? R&R is free and always has been free. Oh, so free. you just go, it is, yep, it's always been free. So you can go right onto our website. It's R and, like the word and, rmagonline.com. Um, and it's just right on the top right side. You can just click subscribe now and you'll start getting the digital edition emails in your inbox along with other sneak peeks for articles that, that might be in the digital edition later, but they're on our website now. And hey, here's a sneak peek at an article that you'll get in the digital edition later, but you can see it early if you want. Um, or the IICRC does a lot through us. If they have a webinar coming up, we will send out an e-blast from them. So you'll know that that's coming up. A couple of weeks ago, Violind did uh, a webinar with r and conjun- in conjunction with IICRC. So you'll get information about how to register for those, which are always free if they're coming through us. So there's a lot of, lot of, a lot of value to subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of information. R&R does go out to, well, our subscriber base when we had print was about 18,000 restoration contractors and others related to restoration across the country. So that's a pretty big reach for a small industry. 
We have a weekly e-newsletter that goes out every Friday. That goes out to almost 10,000 people every week, in addition to all of the traffic that we get on the website and social media and all that. So it is a pretty big audience. And no, that is very that is very cool. So it's it's even more than just a magazine. I mean, you're talking with the webinars and and the things. I mean, you're really just keeping people up to date on all aspects of the industry. Yeah, we would consider ourselves more of a media company or a media hub at this yeah. point rather than a magazine because it really the magazine is really a very very small portion of what R and R is altogether. Yeah, no, I can I can definitely see that. That is that is very cool, and I love that you guys have taken this time you know, with, with COVID to really kind of up your game and go to the next level. Uh, and you were able to, you know, kind of leverage your, your time right now to do that and just make that jump to digital. Yes. I would certainly much rather the magazine be here than not be here. If the print costs just exceeded what brands could handle after, you know, so many businesses have unfortunately been impacted by, the pandemic and publishing is one of them, you know, ad revenue and stuff is way down. So this was a very quick and probably very smart forward thinking way to avoid BNP as a whole, losing a bunch of their publications. Yeah. No, this, this is, I, I love it. I'm on the, I'm actually on the website right now looking at it and there is just so much, there's so much information here. Yeah. No, it's, I don't, I don't know if I'll get any work done today. I'm just going to look through <laughs> Look through the R and R website. Uh, so no, yeah. it's very cool. But anybody, if you haven't checked out R and R, go do that. They have a ton of like like uh, Michelle was just saying. There's a ton of information there, and it's not just it's not just the magazine. It's it's webinars from leaders in the industry and organizations in the industry, and and up to date information about what's going on. So very cool. And you said you guys have been doing things. So with the pandemic and with Corona, there's been updates and and I guess, how many, what have you been doing through that and getting that information out? Um, if you're on our website and you go to um, news, there's a tab there that says coronavirus coverage. And we have done everything from ask the expert video interviews with suppliers and restoration contractors. Like I talked to ATI, I've talked to some of the suppliers for disinfectant products and gotten some tips and tricks on how to best disinfect. Anissa has talked about best disinfection. Disinfection is not the right word. I apologize to everybody that I'm saying that. Cleaning, best cleaning tips. I do know better in my head. I don't know where that's coming from. Um, I talked to Michael Pinto about how to, how to handle uh, soft contents. I, I feel like pretty much anything coronavirus related, if you have questions about HR concerns or how to run your business or how to get things going or how to protect your workers or how to clean, how to get new contracts. Um, Ed Cross has a video in there about making sure that you are covered. Um, yeah. Dave Dibdahl has a video about making sure that your liability insurance is up to snuff so that you're not going to get caught in a legal battle when all of this is done. So uh, there's just a lot of, a lot of content related to coronavirus that is all pulled together on that one that one topic page yeah. along with all the rest of the content. Oh, it's, it's very, it's very cool. I love it. I love it. So now let's go, let's, let's get away from work for a minute. Okay. How has, I mean, well, and then with quarantine, so there might be two, two questions here. One, what, have, how have you guys been kind of relaxing or what are you doing in your off time during, during quarantine? But then what are some of just hobbies and things that, 
that you like to do? Hmm. That is a good question. Well, I have two young children. I have a six-year-old who just finished kindergarten, and I have a 14-month-old. So um, my husband is also working from home through this, and he has a job that's not, unfortunately, as flexible as my jobs are. So he's been more married to his computer throughout the day, which means I'm, you know, mom and editor and whatever teacher for a while that was a very interesting thing for anybody else who's listening and did the homeschooling thing for a while that was a very interesting journey that we took um (laughs) i've i've heard i didn't experience it myself but i've heard yeah yeah um i as far as hobbies i enjoy doing just about anything outside my husband and i recently finally invested in paddle boards we love that so okay um we have the we have the opportunity to go up north my in-laws have a place in northern michigan um on a small lake so we have the opportunity to be on the lake and paddleboard and enjoy being outside um Prior to my last baby, I was more of an avid runner. I'm working on getting back into that, but I, um, I enjoy being active and getting out and doing things. So I would say that's probably the gist of it. I think when you have young kids, that becomes your hobby to some degree. It's so weird to it. Once quarantine started, you didn't feel busy at first, but then as you got used to that life, or as, as I got used to that life, it seems like we got more busy, even though there was technically nothing to do. Somehow our days got more busy. I don't know how that worked out, but it did. I don't know. I Yeah, no, I do. I do. I get it. I mean, it went from like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? To like, I didn't get everything done today. And I, and I don't know that there really was anything to get done. But yeah, it, uh, we just adapted and changed to it. Yeah. Yes. Well, we did. With so. your kids, those are... So my son is 18. He just graduated this year. He but he did an early graduation. So he actually graduated in January just before all of this all of the corona and the schooling and everything and hit. So he was already done. So I just I just missed out on that. But I do okay. remember back to you know, six years old. I have some nieces and nephews too that are that are young. Um but yeah, that six year old age is is still fun it's fun but but like you said I think my yeah my hobby has turned you know from maybe riding my motorcycle to (laughs) now I'm a flag football coach (laughs) you know that was (laughs) yes (laughs) so that's my husband he he's plays men's league and now he's the hockey coach so yeah kind of same just Same make deal. that transition and, and yeah, your hobbies kind of now follow, follow with what the kids are doing and what they're up to. And so yes. you said, is it two boys? Is that what you said? Yes. We two have two boys. boys. Yes. Oh, that's fun. That is cool. Yes. And then the it's paddle, a lot of fun. Now paddle boards, that's something I've never, I've never tried. I've seen them. Uh, and actually out here in Seattle with the, with the big lake and stuff there, there are quite a few of them out there. I bet. But yeah. Yeah, that's something I've I haven't I haven't tried. What is it about the paddleboard that you like? It's very relaxing. I think the first time I did it a few years ago, I thought that it was going to take some amazing athletic ability, and I am not athletic in the least. My husband is the type that can do anything athletic like okay. super easily. I mean, it comes to him just naturally. I I remember the first time he and I went skiing probably gosh, seven, eight years ago now. And he had never been skiing in his life, but because he grew up playing hockey and is such a natural athlete, he was going down the blacks like the first day that we went skiing. And I'm over here. Like I can't even stand up. 
I can't stop. I can't pizza. I can't, this is not for me. So French fries I see and now pizza. And I do fine, but it's, you know, I, but we're seeing that um, our oldest is the same way. In the beginning, we wondered if he was going to be athletic or not. And now we took him skiing for the first time two winters ago. So he would have only been four. And he went down the bunny hill twice and was like, okay, I'm good. And went up the chairlift with dad and down a huge long hill. Didn't fall once, knew how to stop. I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> so he picked like, anyway, paddle boards. Yeah. Well, and Teenager I look, well, I look at a paddle board and I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm, I don't even want to know how to get on it. But then once I get on it, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to fall off of it really like quickly, very quickly. They're they're very, very sturdy. You wouldn't, depending on the one that you have, they're very sturdy. It would take effort actually to fall off. Really? Although I guess I will say the first time we ever tried, that was the one athletic thing that I could do and my husband couldn't at the time because he couldn't keep his knees like loose and bent. He couldn't kind of go with the flow of the board. But once you the ones that we bought are very sturdy. I mean, a few weekends ago, we were on the lake with some friends and I was able to have kids sitting on the paddleboard with me and paddling them around the lake with zero fear of falling in. And I'm not again, that athletic They're So they're really not <laughs> difficult to use. It's just, you just got to try it. Well, really that, may, that may be something that me and my wife check out. I know we, uh, we recently with moving out here, got into hiking um, and, are, okay. and are doing like, we've always enjoyed hiking, but it was more of, um, I guess it would be a destination and then we would hike Yes. where now it's just like every weekend and a couple nights during the week, like, Hey, let's uh, put the boots on. Let's go hike. Uh, so it's becoming yeah. more, more common and more regular in our lives, but we're, we're really enjoying that paddle boards. Maybe that may be something to look into. Yes, you should try it. You'll have to uh, let me know, you know, hiking something that I miss living in Michigan. I lived in Colorado Springs for a little while and oh, there's wow. great hiking yeah. in that area. Um, and I, I miss that in Michigan. It's like you could go through a walk for a walk in the woods and we have good trails near us, but it's not the same. It's not going for, it's not the same. <laughs> I miss that. Well, cause you, you said you're just outside Detroit. Yes. So yes. yeah, this isn't like the, the UP of, of Michigan where you can, you can really get out. Like, I guess we run snowmobiles up there, but I don't know that there's nice. that many. It's not really that hilly though. It's pretty, it's pretty flat and you go around trees and there's uh. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of beauty out there in the in the yeah the lake up there and everything, um, but not where, a, where not do a you snowmobile? We would do usually like a four day trip, and we would just kind of run uh -huh. the perimeter of the of the UP and just do a big circle. That's awesome. So we kind that of that would be awesome. Kind of just went everywhere, which sometimes sometimes it was fun, but then there was other times where like we would get caught in the snow, and it's like. It's like, no, we have to, like, we still have 25 miles until we get to our hotel. Like, we have to go. We can't stop. <laughs> yeah, I I, get, I grew up in the UP, and um, every Christmas we would go, we would drive down to the Detroit area to see my grandparents, and I remember going back across the Mackinac Bridge in whiteout conditions, and then along US-2, which runs along, like, the south arm of... Yes south part of the up and it'd just be a whiteout it's a two-lane highway and on one side it's like a drop down into lake michigan if you don't know where you're going and yeah my parents have lots of stories i never had to drive that but i was in the car it was something oh it's amazing how much snow they, they get up there i mean it's it is it's so it's so crazy and then and just it just piles up into these huge yeah just huge piles um yeah 
somehow they they find like enough uh, a place to put it. But it seems like, I mean, it seems like there were piles that were bigger than the houses. I mean, they just kept just kept pushing oh, it yeah. up higher and higher and higher. It was it's so crazy, but fun to fun to get on a snowmobile and rip around. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, you know what I yes. wanted to ask you about was uh. The the stuff that John Isaacson's doing, he is okay. He is cracking me up. Like, uh, just <laughs> well, and I know. I mean, I know how much work goes into putting a podcast together, and I feel like he's so he's having some quality quality people, quality conversations. His podcast is cool. I saw you guys. I think linked to it. But yeah, he's he's just, he's yeah. an interesting guy. I like I like what he's doing. I do too. He's he makes me sometimes feel lazy because I'm like, you are putting so much work into this podcast and you have another job and yeah, he has a whole job. I put work into R and R obviously, but I don't know. He puts me to shame. Like the amount of work and editing and all of that that he puts into his stuff. I'm like, I don't know where you have time for this. Oh, and then I, then he I makes, then he does a video too and puts that out and then he, and then he'll tag me in because he always wears that GMS hat, which I love. It's, it's so cool. <laughs> and he's got, so he's got that hat on, but then he'll, he'll tag me in like, instagram and linkedin and and it's like john where do you have time to do like i barely got one link on my facebook account that said i did a podcast and he's got a video and and then he drops all kinds of little edits in the podcast he has commercials he has i'm just like dude i don't know right He's, He'll do like impressive. little teaser videos and his custom yeah. graphics yeah. and yeah. all of that. I'm like, I don't, you, I don't know where you, good for you. I can't, I can't fathom doing all of this. So good for you. I don't know. Yeah. That's where I'm at also. He's, he's just, he's just killing it. I love it. I love watching it. So, um, well, good. And then, good to hear. and then that's good. That's good for you guys too, to have. Now, do you have anybody else like John that works with you guys that does stuff like kind of like that? Anissa Koi has her weekly videos that she does. And then I do have people who write regularly for us. So like Lisa Lavender from Burke's Fire Water and the Restoration Technical Institute. She writes monthly. Um, Edan Speiser from 911 Restoration. He writes monthly. Um, I would say right now, John and Anissa are our two main video people and then that's kind of supplemented by the videos that i do whether it's an ask the expert or uh like the media blasting video that i was talking about or whatever okay any kind of final thought or any last thing that you wanted to want to talk about or say before we before we go ahead and wrap this up i appreciate you taking some time to chat with me i've you've had some great guests on your show and so i'm I appreciate yeah. being able to be part of that so far and, um, you know, keep up the good work. I think that the more voices there are from educated um, and involved people in the industry, the better. So thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's kind of been, uh, it's, you know, it's just been, it's just been fun for me to, to get some people on and talk. And there are so many, just so many great people in this industry and, and, you know what, I think one of the things that surprises me is, you know, whenever I'm talking to a guest and even talking to you today, I wrote down a couple of names and I'm, I'm like, oh, I've never heard of this person, you know, the, mm-hmm. and, and just like how, you know, once, when I think that, you know, my circle, it's kind of like how mm-hmm. small my circle even really is, even though I feel like it's big, I feel like I, I, you know, have a, a good reach in the industry. Um, 
so many of my guests, you know, they start, they start name dropping and I'm going, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. It's like, it just keeps, the greatness just keeps going. It's very cool. I get that. Our industry always has new people coming, um, coming in and then other people going out and there's always new great people to meet and talk to. I get that a lot too. Like, do you know so-and-so? Let me introduce you to so-and-so. Okay, sure. That sounds great. I love meeting and talking to anybody. So yeah, that's, it's, I'll, be glad when trade shows start back up because that in-person interaction definitely helps with the relationship building and stuff like that. Now, has that, it's interesting you brought that up because I will say the hardest part of, of quarantine for me is not having that interaction, which I, which honestly, I didn't even think I needed it. But then (laughs) when you took it away, I'm just, I'm like, I'm so depressed just walking around the apartment. It's like, not gonna, like, yeah. what am I doing? Where am I going next week? Oh, nowhere. Who am I going to see? <laughs> no one. And it, it like, it <laughs> did. It really got to me. Uh, I, I miss the travel and I miss the trade shows more, more than I thought I would. They've had a bigger effect than I thought. What about for you? Has it been similar? Yeah, I, this is an industry where you make good friends and I really look forward to seeing friends at shows and then meeting new yes. people that will hopefully be friends in the future. Yes. So sitting at home has been so different, especially when this has happened, obviously, during the the busiest part of the restoration industry year when it comes to shows. I mean, how many shows got canceled in this, you know, three month window? It was a lot. All of the main shows of the year pretty much were canceled in this window. I was going to say, when I looked at my schedule, I had a two months and in two months, I think I was home for 14 days. Yeah. Everywhere else. I, I wasn't was, quite that bad, but yeah. yeah. But similar. Yeah. Everything happens at that, at that time. And, it, and yeah. it is like I, you have your, I mean, I call them my trade show friends because, because we are, we're all spread out across the country. It isn't, you know, I, I don't get to go have lunch with someone and well, especially right. when I was in Fort Wayne, there was, you know, very few people in Fort <laughs> Wayne, but yeah, it's like the, you know, your, your trade show friends where people are coming from California and people are coming from Boston and people are coming yep. up from Florida and, and Texas and everyone. Yeah, we all get together and, and you get to see people. And, and I think kind of on the like the behind the scenes as far as the vendors, I mean, I have a, I have a lot of a lot of friends. I mean, when I walk when I walk yeah. through the, the show, I'm stopping in people's booths and giving people hugs and good to see you. How have you been? And uh, that's always, that's always fun for me. I always look forward to doing that. What will that look like? Are we going to be able to hug people? I'm a total hugger. I hug everyone that I know. I will probably know you first before I hug you, but. um, (laughs) I I (laughs) just need someone to know you and then I'll hug you. Yes, pretty much. Like if I'm getting introduced and the person next to me knows you and is introducing me to you, I might hug you at that point. Yes. But now what? Are we going to do that like boot kick, that shoe kick thing that people are doing? That's the new handshake and the new hug. That's depressing. I don't know. I can't. I don't think I can. Well, and even when we were, I don't think I can either. When we were at Nexus, um, they put up. They we were talking about it a little earlier. We they put up the signs that said, you know, no handshakes. This kind of thing. No handshake zone. I immediately <laughs> went yeah. went and got a bottle of of sanitizer and put it at my booth and was like, here, like we're shaking hands and there's the sanitizer. Like, like I'm not gonna not yeah. shake. I'm not gonna not shake hands. Like, well, so yeah, that, that's that was what I did. I was I just went and got sanitizer for my booth just so I could keep shaking hands. 
to some degree, the handshake is almost a conversation starter. Like that breaks the initial ice. So if somebody comes up to your booth and they have their hands in their pockets, that makes it seem like the conversation isn't going to flow as well. I mean, there's body language with that, that I guess we're going to have to relearn if we're not actually shaking hands, but that doesn't seem like that's a possible I think I'm gonna be bad change at that society is going to make, but yeah, I'll just be bad at it. <laughs> Me too. It's okay. <laughs> like, leave your hands in your pockets. I'll hug you. It's fine. <laughs> well, Michelle, I can't thank you enough for taking the time, uh, you know, to talk with me today. You have, like, you gave us so much information, but, but, great information anyone that listens to this um you know the stuff that you guys are doing at r&r is just you just it just keeps going and going and going and as far as just bringing education and articles and pictures and videos and and again bringing it in from some some very very reputable groups the iicrc um i saw some stuff with ria you're doing things with the with violin um and just the quality i I think that's it it's the quality that you guys are are putting out is very very impressive so um i don't know if i I say thank you for doing that but thank you for doing (laughs) that that it is it is very cool Oh, and the awards having me. Thank you for the compliments. Yeah. And the awards. Can't forget about those. Those are, those are a a great thing that, and I know a lot of people look forward to those. Uh, I follow, you know, I followed a couple of them on social media and you can see in the comments and, and it's, it's just a fun way for the industry to, to come together and to recognize some very, you know, to give them recognition, they deserve it. Um, But then also let, let kind of all of us other people see, see kind of what's going on and, and who's doing what it's it's very cool it's it's awesome i love what you guys are doing well thank you i appreciate that a lot it's it's a lot of fun i feel blessed to do what i get to do i um it's rare i think that people love their jobs and i love mine so i'm very thankful for that oh that's awesome that is awesome yes. well i will hopefully hopefully the experience there's no holdups there and we all get to come back and I will be there and I will find you and I will hug you. And <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> and uh, that's no, I hope, I hope that that, that that's an event that can come through. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, well so. again, very cool. Thanks again for, for coming on. I think this will, we'll wrap it up here and uh, Perfect. Yeah. so I'm broad, I'm broadcasting out of the Seattle apartment and you are just outside Detroit and Michigan, Michelle, again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great rest of your day. Yes, you too.